Good morning slash afternoon slash evening. Welcome to the Cowries and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and I am joined by our co-hosts, Lena Ben-Abdallah, a PhD student in international relations at the University of Florida, and Yiting Wang, our resident China sustainability specialist. Yiting, Lena, how are you ladies doing? Doing well. Doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. The weather has gotten a lot warmer this weekend, and... DC, so I might actually leave the house. We will see what happens. Mm-hmm. And today's episode, as always, is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duru, seeks to connect development workers, professional development resources, and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa. That I know of. If you are an individual African entrepreneur, what sort of organizations are available to you to help you navigate the Africa-China relationship? There are a number of friendship societies, often initiated by ex-diplomats and trade associations. But today, we wanted to highlight a young and dynamic nonprofit involved in this field: the Sino-Africa Center of Excellence Foundation. Based in Nairobi, Kenya, they aim to facilitate China-Africa trade and investment through three pillars: SACE Research Hub, SACE Projects, and Business Advisory Services, in partnership with Botho Limited. You might remember them from their publication "China Business Perception Index: Survey on Chinese Companies' Perception of Doing Business in Kenya," which was published last year. To talk more about this foundation and how it serves African entrepreneurs as a whole, we have invited Adidana Ashebir <laughs> to the pod, who is the SACE Foundation's Africa Business Development Lead. Adidana, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Sorry to to bother you. It sounds like you were kind of busy today, but you're probably busy every day. Yeah, it's a, I had a, a more hectic Sunday. I, that is true, <laughs> but yeah, I had a more hectic Sunday than I anticipated. But、uh, thank you so much for for your flexibility. I really appreciate it. No worries. So happy that that、uh, we can find the time. So for our listeners, let us know what is the Sace Foundation exactly, and how can an African entrepreneur, perhaps listening to this podcast, use your services? Sure. So the Sace Foundation,、um, as you alluded to earlier, really tries to facilitate China Africa. Trade and investment through a variety of means.、Uh, one is through、uh, research; the other is through various projects. And then, in coordination with our sister organization、um, that we share some human resources with,、um, there's we also do business advisory for anyone that's look, interested in that China-Africa space or relationship.、Um, but in, in terms of, I think what's important to note about the Sage Foundation is probably its history and why it was founded. Uh, to begin with, so it was founded in 2013 by a Ghanaian and a South African, and they. So the South African actually has Sibogolo Fifi, who's a noted China Africa,、um, you know, thought leader and and practitioner. She's studied and or she's rather worked in China for quite some time. And I knew her also when I lived in China、um, roughly six or seven years ago now.、Um, she. Uh, led a group of people from the African Leadership Network on a trip to to China, and also around that time,、um, Isaac Bokuo, who's the Ghanaian co-founder, he、uh, learned of a story of Xi Jinping's trip to Iowa 
a few decades back, I believe it was either the 70s or the 80s, and how one of the people that he knew at the time um, then became the governor of Iowa, and now Xi Jinping is president of China, and kind of how that young relationship or how those business ties were formed during his trip um, to the Midwest in the United States. And I think Isaac's reasoning was, well, what if you know you could bring young Chinese and young Africans together and have them get to know each other, interact with each other, and then a few years down the line when they become leaders in their respective fields, there's a greater understanding, there's greater potential for collaboration. Um, I think it's probably you, the co-hosts know perhaps more than anyone, there's a lot of misinformation about the China-Africa relationship, there's a lot of fear about the China-Africa relationship. Um, there's also good data out there, and there's a lot of people who are trying to add to that space. Um, I hope SACE is, is considered to be one of them. Um, but there's, sense, you know, there's just a lot of you know, what's really happening um, when it t- comes to China and Africa. So his hope was, well, what if you have these young people and they're, you know, they have, by the time they're in leadership positions, they have decades of experience of working with one another and they'll be able to understand each other better, both in terms of a business perspective and a cultural perspective. So that's kind of really in a nutshell, the, the, the history of updates. And, you know, being how our co-founder are on the private sector end of things, that's kind of why we have a, a private sector bent to our organization as opposed to um, you know, an aid organization or opposed to um, you know, something where, like, this is one of the focuses. So, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I'm like losing my voice while I talk. Uh, but, so that's the, that's, I guess, what this is. But in terms of what, how an entrepreneur can use our service, an African entrepreneur can use our services, um, we do a variety. Most of our activity is based in Kenya, as that's our kind of Africa hub. That's where most of us sit on a day-to-day basis. Um, so try to host a lot of business forums um, with uh, local Kenyan companies. Uh, we've we've organized breakfasts and events with kind of large, large kind of multi-stakeholder organizations like FEWA, Federation of Entrepreneur Women Association, or um, OH, which is the Organization of Women in Europe. Trade. Um, so we've tried to try to make our services, make our presence aware to to those companies who you know are interested in China relationship or trying to trade, but they don't know really how to get started. They don't know where you know what to do or who to go to. And we try to be that bridge for them. And we find that hosting those events has been really helpful. Um, because they get a sense, we brought Chinese business leaders to those events and they get a chance to interact and talk and what have you. And I think what people are really interested in is just that first point of entry. It's like, how, who do I talk to? You know, how do I get access to this business community that, you know, has a reputation for being a bit insular and, you know, staying within, you know, themselves? And that's obviously not true of all companies, but it's true of some. And, you know, understandably, it's a bit difficult to kind of get that started. So that's really what, what we try to do. So we offer those forums. Uh, we also, you know, with our newsletter, we offer insights into, you know, things that are going on in the China-Africa space, or particularly in the China-Kenya space, since many people in our database are from Kenya. And uh, we also, we're, ha- we're hosting a workshop at the SME, or Small Medium Enterprise Expo, which is going to be in April. And we're leading a workshop for the local Kenya SMEs. There's also going to be perhaps SMEs from across the continent, but obviously the larger crowd will be from Kenya. Uh, but it's titled Doing Business with Chinese Companies. So it discusses kind of a how-to guide of, you know, points of entry and do's and don'ts and, and um, you know, ways to make this relationship or this trade relationship 
relationship, which is, you know, only going to get stronger with time, um, how can you benefit and how can you, um, you know, maximize on that opportunity? But I think also what's important to note is that we help Chinese entrepreneurs and Chinese companies and businesses on the continent as well. We've hosted legal trainings for them. We've helped with security briefings for them. Um, so it's not just that, you know, it's when we are a Sino-Africa center of excellence, we really try to emphasize both the Sino and the Africa. And that's something um, that can be tough to do because there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a big audience out there and, you know, how do you choose, you know, what you do. But we really try to make sure we're serving both aspects of our, both parts of our name. And, and so in terms of the Chinese companies, that's, you know, offering those services and connecting them with, with service providers that are, you know, in Kenya, because, well, I think we'll talk about our VPI later, but our research found that some companies, you know, they really have similar needs and, you know, there's service providers that can help them, but do they know who to turn to, who to go to? And so that's something we also try to address. And I realized that was a very long answer to a short question. So my apologies. <laughs> this pod is designed for long answers to short questions. So that you have nothing okay. to apologize for. <laughs> Oh, and, and for our listeners' knowledge, okay. I have applied to multiple positions at the SACE Foundation. So, in case anyone... Oh, you have? Yes. I did not know that. Yes, I... I, I there was like an internship, and then there was... Um, I gotta check. So, in case anybody's wondering, SACE Foundation is legit, and they, they do some really good um, projects. And the, going to the, to the next... Project. The thing that I felt that really made a splash in terms of international China-Africa discussions, not necessarily confined to Kenya, was the China the China Business Perception Index, which I felt was mm -hmm. a really strong document, really useful, and something that I I tell people to to look at. Could you talk about this? the research that went behind it, as well as if there are any planned sure. updates and, and what it is and how people have been using it. And finally, have you seen a shift in perceptions over time? That's a, that's a great question. So, so as a back, a backgrounder to maybe people who aren't familiar with our BPI, it was published in 2015, January 15th uh, of last year. And so we, did research for about six months, reached out to 200 Chinese companies operating in Kenya, and then received responses from, I believe, 77, somewhere around that number. And we asked them uh, through inter various interviews across the, uh, across the country what, what their perceptions were, what challenge, either kind of pain points or also um, successes, what have you, about operating in Kenya. And so... It was a team of two researchers who did this work. And, you know, that is definitely a document that, and I'm so glad that you um, found it to be valuable or found it to be, you know, an interesting read. I think it's something that we're really proud of. Um, and so some of the things that were mentioned, and of course, I think the media latched on to corruption as one of the things that was mentioned, but there was really such a bigger story than that. I know corruption is a very... It's a, you know it's a it's a it's a big splash, but Kenyan media picked up on that and talked about that you know in all of the the reports. But also you know safety and security was a concern, um, like visa work permits, labor uh, sourcing labor was also a concern. And I think those pain points are much more actionable things that you can actually change, both from a private sector perspective and of course from a policy perspective. Um, but unfortunately, I think um, we were we were quite disappointed in the way that, you know, some of the local media latched onto the corruption part. 
Um, but in terms of planned updates, we are planning on BPI 2. So you heard it here first. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say which country, but it will be. Let's assume be, you're not allowed to say a country. So I will, I will tell you the spoiler alert is that it will be uh, EAC region. <laughs> so East African community. Shocking. Um, yeah, I know. I know, I know. Um, but yes, I'm happy to give calories and rice the scoop on that. <laughs> but, um, so we're working on that this year, and we really want, we're pushing um, to get that out by the end of, or around August, at least have all the data in by that point. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but we're really excited to update the first one. I think a lot of people have asked, are you going to be, you know, can you come to Zambia next? Can you do this and that? You know, we have a lot of, you know, we have a lot, a huge Chinese business presence here. You know, we'd love to, you know, so there's been a lot of interest. It's just a matter of the, you know, finding the resources, both financial and, you know, human resources to make it happen. So we're really excited to work on BPI too. And we're really excited to kind of compare and contrast and see, you know, what's, you know, within the EAC region, at least these two countries, you know, what the story is. Um, in terms of shift in perceptions over time, I think, it might be a bit too soon for that, only because it was launched in January of last year. So it's only been about just about 13 months. Um, so I think I'd, if we have this podcast in a year's time, I think maybe I'd be able to, to provide some insight into what people have said two years on. And I think we would love to do that as well as an organization, you know, find these companies and say, okay, what has changed, um, you know, two years on. I think one year might be a little too too short, though. Yeah, um, I'm wondering, um, was the results that you got, um, how does it compare to, say, perceptions of other Asian business or European businesses operating in Kenya? Um, you know, is, is there anything that's and, uh, yeah, that's a Chinese perception of doing business in Kenya. That's a that's a great question. That's actually something I would like to study personally. I would. I mean, there's so many people here, and I think when people talk about China Africa, what frustrates me is that there are so many players that are on the continent. So if you're really worried about the continent from you know a welfare perspective, or is it being taken advantage of, or all of these questions that people throw about when it comes to this trade relationship, there's so many other people that are doing business here. Um, and so many other countries. You have Turkey, you have Israel, you have Germany, you have the UK, especially the UK with Kenya. Obviously, there's a long history due to the colonial relationship. Um, you have the US, of course. Uh, so I personally would love um, to get that sense. But I guess the BPI was more the, the perceptions of companies, not necessarily the perceptions of consumers. But for me, I'm really interested in that piece. Um, so maybe I can campaign for that one next. But I think there's been a few studies about just perceptions, not necessarily of not necessarily on the part of American companies, but in terms of Kenyans and East Africans about, you know, the countries in general, like, you know, China being favorable or America being favorable. And honestly, depending on which article you read, you get a different answer. So I think there's different surveys floating about and I can't speak to, you know, how rigorous or, you know, the quality of them. But, you know, I read one where it said that, you know, the U.S. was still favored as, you know, a trade partner or a business partner. And then I read another one that said China, China's favorability our favorability rating has also increased. So, and maybe those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but they're just from different sources. But I think, from the, in terms of the BPI, we would have to go and and ask the several com you know companies from Turkey, from Israel, from 
from the UK, from the US, what have you, um, you know, what were your, what are your perceptions of Kenyan? I think that could be really interesting as well and add some value. Yeah, there's probably some other general index um, or or something quite unique um, that face that's just looking at sort of you know one particular country of origin. Um, but just to put those in in perspective, um, I think will be very helpful. I, I think so too. I, I think I'm all about yeah. comparative studies. I think that's just kind of my what I was not necessarily what I was brought up on in school, but those are kind of the things that I find more more interesting and compelling to read. So I definitely agree with you. It's just a matter of getting it done, which is a totally different <laughs> combination of things than whether or not I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations, and I see some diversion as well. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm uh, actually curious what are the reactions of um, the Chinese that you have interviewed in terms of sort of seeing the mega results. Yeah, so I think, well, some companies were hesitant to talk, um, which we understand. I think they were a bit, uh, they were fearful of either feedback from um, if it's a state-owned company, obviously that's a totally different ballgame than a private sector independent operator who's you know building something here in Kenya. Um, so there was a there was some hesitance uh, hesitancy in the beginning, but um, I think we I mean we had a packed house for our launch, and I think it was well received um, on all sides um, because I mean it wasn't anything we weren't pitching this as a political document we weren't pitching this as you know a prescriptive document necessarily we just wanted to get the information so that you know at least people were aware and you know individual parties whether it's in government or whatever they could use that to their own devices but we weren't necessarily trying to tell one side or the other you know how to you know what to do or you know how to be better so i think that was i think that helped us as well in terms of our reception or the reception to it because i don't think people thought we were people didn't think we were preaching to them in terms of you know what this document I mean yes you can read into it and I can obviously offer suggestions based on 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 the facts but I don't I think we as an organization decided not to take a prescriptive stance Adidana can I ask you about the technical vocational education project um, that's something that I'm very interested in both in my own research and just in general yeah. Seems that sure. it seems that you are involved in 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 this uh, project. That is it is targeting Kenyan uh, students who just graduated and they need like vocational training in specific skills before they get a job. And if so, is this job offered by Chinese companies or just in general? Or I just want to ask you how that works and what what are the you know the benefits of organizing such a project. Sure. Uh, thanks, Lena. So the TVED project is something that we've been working on for, I want to say, it's been on our kind of on our minds and things we've, for about a year and a half, probably maybe even longer. Um, it's It's been very difficult to to kind of push through just because of the amount of stakeholders and there's so many different models it could take. And I think that's something we've had to kind of take stock, you know, return back to our offices, have conversations about it, what have you. 
Um, but essentially, at least the initial model um, is leveraging resources of Chinese companies, especially in the construction sector, because much of the construction sector in the East Africa region, um, much of the construction projects in the East African region are dominated by Chinese construction companies and contractors. In fact, there was a Deloitte study from last year that showed basically China flipped with the United States and the European Union in terms of um, the number or percentage of, of con construction being done in East Africa. So we thought that was a really important place. And there's so many. And, you know, one thing from the BPI was finding labor. Um, so if that is a pain point, then why can't we why can't we as an organization see if we can be a part of the solution? Because um, that's often often everywhere you go on the continent, you hear, oh, you know, Chinese companies will come, but they bring their own they bring their own workers. They don't hire us. And, you know, that's definitely a pain point and a part of this relationship that is something that's often discussed. So that's that's the original kind of um, well, it started before the BPI, but it was it was unfortunately due to just the amount of stakeholders that's involved. This is very difficult. But we've met with you know various technical colleges. We've met with various Chinese companies. Um, we've been in, we've been close to signing MOUs. I think we have signed an MOU, you know, with one party. So, but in a nutshell, what, how it would work is just leveraging Chinese the resources of Chinese companies to um, construct, not necessarily physically construct, but build uh, a technical training institute that meets their needs. Because some of the technical institutions, um, there might be a lot of theory training, but you can be taught in this technical institution, but once you go on site, you still are missing just a bit of knowledge that can help you start from day one. So that that's the goal behind it. Uh, but unfortunately, it's just it's just taken us quite a bit of time. But it is something that uh, the SACE team, especially Jinghao, has really worked tirelessly on this. Um, but I think we're all passionate about it, just in terms of you know the 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 good that actually can come of this. So, but in terms of what Chinese companies could get out of it. They could get, I mean, they get a labor source that works well for their needs. Um, and that's been a huge, there's actually a similar campaign that the Kenyan government has, which is a million artisans. So creating or educating, finding a million artisans. Um, I'm not sure what their timeline is for that. But, you know, construction is a huge sector, welders, engineers, electricians, what have you. And, you know, once you have those skills, you can work on you know, for other people, it's not, or for other companies, it's not just, you don't have to work for AVIC, you don't have to work for Sinai Hydro. I mean, there's so many, you can use those skills across different, different contractors and different projects. So I have fingers crossed. I hope it, I hope it works out and, mm -hmm. and we'll see. It seems, it seems like a very interesting uh, resource to tap into just in, just with a number of students I myself had talked to in, uh, in, in, in Addis Ababa who, are very interested in working for Chinese companies, for instance, but and they get you know out of university with a degree that's supposedly fit for such or such job, but in the end, I mean, they lack right. tactical training to, exactly. to work. And so it, it really does seem like a, it would be a great uh, just opportunity to to match those two things, like that you know the the graduates with the with the um, technical skills needed for the job. Yeah, so very you know good luck. I mean, it seems like a great project, and so hopefully you. you can get started on yeah, on some of those. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And it's also, I mean, it's both sad and encouraging to hear that you know Ethiopia has the same issue. Um, encouraging in the sense that like this model could be replicated, and that's fantastic. Um, but also sad in the fact that this is a problem that is very widespread. Um, but hopefully, this can be 
hopefully this can be a solution. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious, and this is going to be a little bit controversial. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> are there incentives lined up not to make that happen, especially for, let's say, a Chinese SOE, which is designed to promote Chinese brands abroad, but also to promote Chinese broad um, labor abroad as well? And um, and if a lot of the big construction projects are done by um, state-owned enterprises, in the long run, does it help them to mm -hmm. hire locally when, in terms of Chinese policies, it, it's much more important that they that they give Chinese people jobs and export Chinese products overseas and they build Chinese brands overseas and they protect China overseas. Right. Um, I think that, that's a great question. I think in terms of, I don't know if there's necessarily incentives that are there for it not to work. I mean, we did, we've had great discussions with uh, I won't name them. Just yes, I guess I, if it gets game. And, and there's <laughs> only a, there's only a handful of SOEs, anyways, that do this. So exactly. like so it, it's not we, that big of a mystery. Yeah. It's probably not that big of a mystery, but I'll I'll still protect myself. Yeah. <laughs> or and rather protect safe, not even myself. But um, we have we had conversations that went quite far. So I think, and I'd like to believe that we would have been dead in the water from day one. And it wouldn't have been an option. I mean, we wouldn't have had these conversations for months and months and months if at the end it was just not feasible or, you know, at the end they were worried about the issues that you outlined. I think uh, perceptions do matter in terms of the trade relationship, but I think the labor point is a big one for a lot of people. Whether or not you want to say it's true or false, that's still a fear and that's still an issue with high unemployment in so many countries in the, on the continent. And so many people, I can't tell you how many times if I got a shilling for every time someone told me, oh, but they bring prisoners from China <laughs> to work on uh, to work on all these projects. I mean, that is still so rampant, you know, that that thought and that belief. So I think that all in all, it's a good move uh, for to hire local workers, but it's also cheaper. I mean, one of the things we found in our BPI is that it costs six times as much to bring a Chinese laborer to Kenya than it does to hire locally. And that's because of visa, work permits, housing, you bring a chef to cook for you. You know, there's a whole thing that, ha you know, there's a lot that, that's taken care of for those that are here. So it's cheaper to hire locally. Uh, and that is something that they mentioned was, was an issue. So I'd like to think that the answers are aligned with the solutions that we're trying to provide. Yeah, I, I think in terms of labor, um, I, I agree. And I think in terms of labor, it's almost um, as a myth as, you know, um, that China is trying to feed themselves from African land, right? That, yeah, exactly. Where Professor Deborah Robotic has a wonderful book that demystified that. Because, um, yeah, I think on many fronts it doesn't make a lot of sense to um, fly in a lot of Chinese people, you know, to make business sense. Um, and I, I, I do uh, see companies, Chinese aid on companies, trying to set up vocational schools in Africa. Uh, you know, this is a way to 
um, have themselves find more fit um, mm-hmm. labor force in the future, um, but also um, in, the, in the way to sell Chinese products, right, to, to actually train these workers on Chinese machines. Exactly. Um, to the heart, um on them with, with some Chinese language training. And so, um, you know, it's not it's all for, you know, it's not that it has no other purposes, but uh, for them, there also needs to be a way and, and, and yeah, labor and, and uh, sales of products and trade is also important. Exactly. No, I agree with you. I think that's, in, it, you could look at it two ways. You could either say, oh, but we'll disappoint people at home if we don't bring, you know, if we don't alleviate, you know, a job problem in our own country by by having them work on projects on the continent. Or you could say, or you could educate a new generation of welders, electricians, you know, man, you know, people who deal with manufacturing machinery, what have you, on your, you know, products that come from your country, which means that's the skills that they have. They can, you know, that's the, the machine that they'd like to use, that they prefer, that they'll campaign to buy when, you know, they move to a different project, what have you. Or if they build their own companies, that's what they will be using. And I think that's agree. I couldn't agree more. I, I want to ask, though, because there are a lot of the big construction projects that are done by SOEs that are financed by Chinese policy banks. They're, they're contracts on the percentages of, of labor and, and subcontracts and machinery that has to be imported. So it's not necessarily that African laborers are trying to get 100% of the jobs. They might be trying to get, at best, 50% of the jobs that are available, depending on how well their host government negotiates the contract. And the contracts are impossible to find and impossible to see. So right. these are all rumors, essentially. But I'm wondering if you, exactly, yeah. if you are involved not just in terms of training but also in terms of um, contract negotiation, because all the all the technical training in the world might not matter if the contract stipulates that certain positions you have to hire Chinese for, and that's and Chinese companies right. do want to hire locally, and 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 I've, exactly. I've been hearing this for the for since 2000, but there might be actual thing on paper that don't allow them to. I would love to be in a room when a contract is signed, but I don't, I think that's well above our pay grades and our mandate, unfortunately. Uh, but I think you're totally right. You're totally right, Winslow. Um, exactly. I mean, if, if the contract's already written, then it doesn't matter what we do, but, and that's, to- and that's a sad reality. Um, so unfortunately, unfortunately, no, I don't think we're not, maybe we're not important enough just yet to, to be involved in contract negotiations, but, Hopefully, after maybe one or two more BPIs, we'll get there and we'll be able to to pivot into that direction. And what you do matters. Don't, so don't don't worry about what I just said. What I do actually doesn't matter. But what you guys do actually changes <laughs> changes perceptions. I've I've seen it. So keep going. Eating. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, I, in talking about contracts, and I think the labor laws thing. Some of these countries actually have it pretty clear that you have to have a certain percentage of local workers, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but, but you do hear stories of non-compliance every now and then. But yeah. I think by and large, right? They, yeah, that's and that's the, really the the most important place where you make sure that there is enough local employment 
I'm so sorry, Ethan. Can you repeat that last part again? Okay. So I was going to say, um, in coast country, labor regulations is perhaps the most important factors in shaping how Chinese companies behave. Um, mm-hmm. So, and and I think most believe that this is pretty well observed, but there are non-compliance issues every now and then. Right. Um, that could cause the headlines. Exactly. That's a fair point. So I th- there's, I guess there's that happy medium between the two of you. I think the like, guest being in the room is great, but we also can't be at every job site, right? So we won't be able to, like, we can't take on all the roles of, you know, drafting, negotiating, um, you know, judge, jury, ups- Observer. Yeah, you know, we won't didn't be, say executioner, so yeah, yeah. I didn't say we're not, we're not there. We're not there. <laughs> I mean, even though when there is rule, there is not necessarily enough supply of the kind of labor that's desired. So, I mean, you know, and then again, that's where you guys come in and these kinds of, um, um, I think, government supported vocational trainings, um, right? tailoring to the needs of the rural industries um, is also very key. Great. No, yeah, exactly. That's, that's true. I mean, yeah, there's not compliance. I mean, I mean, but then again, there's not compliance for various reasons, right? There's not compliance because it's just easier. There's not compliance because, you know, we are, we are in good faith trying to hire people, but we just can't find them. Uh, you know, so who knows the reason behind it just depends on, on the case. And it's a really good, a really good point, and something to, to keep in mind is a really complicated issue that that even organizations like SACE, which are doing really good work, um, there there are a lot of moving parts involved. So this the kind of technical training that they promote does catch on. And I, I do believe it'll catch on. I was just being difficult. <laughs> no, it's in, fine. In any case, um, our last question before we move on to recommendations: what does SACE have planned for 2016? Is it possible for your organization to, say, leverage the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation or One Belt, One Road initiatives? Sure. So, I, well, I guess I gave you the spoiler for, for 2016 already um, with VPI number two, and I, as of yet, unannounced, <laughs> not announced, um, East African country. Um, but in terms of uh, so the SME Expo is a big thing for us. That's in April, which I mentioned earlier. So our workshop, I think we're about we're going to get about a hundred Kenyan and and uh, other um, SMEs from across the continent in the room for our for our workshop, which will be I believe on April eighth, uh, but don't quote me on that. Um, we've we just finished a um, so we were working with students from John Hopkins sites. Um, on this Tiba project, and they actually were here for their spring break, giving us recommendations. So we'll move forward oh, wh- on which, that for wh- the year. Which size is it? Uh, the size China Africa Research Initiative, or it's just size students? Size students. Okay. Yeah, it was very confusing in the office, like size and size, and and then there's size carry. So there's just there's a lot of that going going on. But um, yeah, so they were size students. Um, and so it was great to have them and kind of, it's always great to get kind of an outsider perspective, you know, when people in the office are in the thick of it all day, every day, and it's just great to kind of get someone from 
who isn't kind of involved and can look at things in a different way. So it was really great to have them. Um, but there's, there's quite a bit of activity. We have more business forums lined up. Um, we're co-organizing um, the, uh, sorry, the Chinese and African, Africans in China conference, which is happening in our home city of Nairobi. So we're really excited to host people uh, here in Kenya and uh, be, I guess, that one of the local links. Wait, is that the, the, the August the August conference? Yes, I believe it's in August. Yeah, that's. Am I yeah, am, am I wrong about that? So that so that's why Arting is one of the one of the panelists. Yeah, so Lena, she's one of the chairs of the panels. Yeah, Arting is uh been Arting is amazing. Just by the way, <laughs> uh, but she she has uh she's been the one that's been leading that that conversation uh with the CAC folks. Um, so I think I'm accurate in saying we're co-organizing, but if I'm not, you can always publish an edited like, note or editor's note. I will find out. So I, so Lena and I are going and we're, we're chairs of a panel. Um, and so that's, that's really cool. But I did not know you guys were co-organizing. I'll have to, I'll have to check okay. that out. I'll, I'll ask, uh, that's super cool. And I'm, I'm happy you guys are are involved because the network is the best. Unless I'm get, now I'm actually figure, now I'm wondering if I'm getting my signals crossed because there's another conference that we were asked to co-organize and maybe I'm confusing the two. There's a lot happening in the space this year, and admittedly, it's easy to get um, my signals crossed, but I can also ask. Ask our team since she's here. <laughs> um, yeah, you are you are an event partner. There's there's you, China House, Fahamu, the Nation Media Group, African Media Initiative, the Viz China Africa Reporting Project. Since we're at it, and this is uh, the African Studies Center at Michigan State University, um, and uh, and the School of International Studies at Jinhua. I mean at uh, Jinan University. Yeah, so you are you okay. are a an event uh, partner. So. Okay, so maybe mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. that is perhaps the most appropriate term to use. Okay, so I'll just repeat that saying. SACE will be an event partner for the Chinese in Africa, Africans in China conference in Nairobi, and we're looking forward to welcoming everyone to the City in the Sun, which is the name for Nairobi, which you will all see once you come and visit us. It's very beautiful and very green, and so we're looking forward to meeting people um, in Kenya, and hopefully they'll they'll enjoy their time here and it'll be a great discussion as well all right so let's move on to recommendations Aridana, do you have any recommendations oh, for sorry. listeners oh sorry no i thought I, I forgot to mention the the i didn't answer your question about focac i'm sorry should i go back and do that uh you can ask yeah you can you can do focac real quick okay so i think mention the mention of capacity building um within FOCAC and subsequent documents, I think, is something that obviously for the purposes of our TVET structure uh, is something that we'd like to look into. And and hopefully there will be something in there that that we could we could leverage to make, you know, make the, those words a reality and make our project a reality as well. OK, I, I love it. 
Alrighty, onward. Now you can repeat your recommendations question. <laughs> now onward, recommendations time. Adriana, what is your recommendation or recommendations for our listeners? I say go outside. Although I'm very spoiled because it's currently uh, okay. Let me look at what the, the Nairobi weather. It is currently. Let's see. What is Google saying? Let it load. It's 77 degrees and sunny right now, so I might not be in the best position to, to give this recommendation, considering I think, Winslow, you're on the east coast of the United States right now. But it's, it's not that bad out. up today, but yes, it can be bad. Yeah, but, you know, go outside, take a deep breath, and enjoy enjoy your day is my recommendation, which is not very Sino-Africa at all, but... It, it, it applies. It's fine. We, we, are, we are quite happy with that recommendation. I, okay. I might even follow it. You should. I think the recommendation actually imagining 77 degrees and there will be sunshine. <laughs> There's that too. There's that too. That will, that will, cure, that will cure things. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, eating, is that your recommendation as well, just to imagine 77 degrees? Yep, tell it to yourself. Well, actually, <laughs> I do have a more serious one. Um, I would uh, like to recommend the, the size scary uh, briefs, uh, which I find really useful and informational. Um, they just had a uh, recent brief talking about um, analyzing the FOCAC outcomes and, and, and for putting it into perspective with what has happened in the past um, five FOCACs now. So um, it's a very good short piece. You, can, you probably can find it on our website. And, and does this have anything to do with the fact that we interviewed Janet from Size Carry recently? Uh, which I knew. So probably you guys have talked about it. I apologize. <laughs> we, we, we did talk about it, but yes. All right. Um, yeah. That's... I guess I do. I do have one SACE-related or Sino-Africa-related recommendation, if you will. So just to remind everyone that the call for papers, the deadline is February 29th, which is in eight days for the Chinese and Africa, Africans in China conference. The deadline was extended. So if you would like to take part in the conference and please, please get, um, get that in, in the next week. Perfect. I, I love that. I love that recommendation because uh, Lena eating and I have all been sending out calls for papers over the past few days. So that's great to hear. Lena, what is your recommendation? Exactly what Adidana just said. Perfect. Exactly. And I'm not even kidding. I was just going to recommend to our listeners to take a look at the Call and I I love that recommendation and Lena wrote a splendid <gasps> little email. An so uh, that's it on my end. Uh, Lena, you wrote a, a, a fantastic email recommending people to apply. I, I really liked it. I, I happened to see it. Uh, I was going to recommend that, but I'm also going to recommend from Africa to China, which is a blog about uh, four female. MA students in China studies at the um, at uh, at Beida, or the and it's a website I saw thanks to Norbert Haguma um, on our on a WeChat group, and it's a cool blog about Africans living in China, like them African people themselves blogging about living in China. 
looks cool. I like the photos, and I look forward to reading it in the future. And for the love of all that is holy, please submit an abstract to the CAC network. I have I I have to second that recommendation because I saw that blog and I really do enjoy it. I also love the photos. I don't know if anyone out there is familiar with the web series on African City, which uh, looks at um, Ghanaian women who have returned to Ghana after time living abroad. But I really got that kind of vibe in terms of the photography and what have you. So I'm very much a supporter of their efforts. But uh, Ariana, okay. thank you so much for making the time. I really, really appreciate you guys, what you guys are doing at, at, at SACE Foundation. I think it's a, a great group. And yeah, I, I hope we can have Jing Hao and Arting on um, as well at some point in the future. Uh, I myself can be found on cowriesrice.blogspot.com and www.cowriesrice.com, the latter site housing my fledgling China Africa consultancy. In addition, my Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R, and I tweet about China Africa news, events, opinions and arcana and there's been some amazing stuff entering into my feed as of late that hopefully we'll we'll explore at a at a later pod but there's been some in, incredible china africa stories uh, developing especially in south africa that um you don't have to follow me just follow the hashtag sino africa my twitter handle superfluous actually um yeah, that's that's about it for today's episode. Janet, we would like to thank you for joining us from a very cold Washington DC where we had a light dusting of snow. I didn't even leave the house. It was freezing. Um, we would also like to thank African Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, and iTunes. We are also teaming up with WTND Community Radio from a Como Illinois to share our podcast. We would also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.